What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of my podcast, Fight Talk with Alan. We're off of a pretty busy week from uh, MMA and boxing with the uh, Roy Jones Jr. versus Mike Tyson fight. That was better than expected. Uh, obviously, you've seen all the memes from Jake Paul knocking out Nate Robinson, so uh, we'll discuss that as well. Um, there was also a, a UFC fight last weekend between Anthony Smith and Devin Clark, and this weekend we got some fights uh, coming up with Jack Hermanson and Martin Vittori. It was supposed to be Jack Hermanson versus Kevin Holland, but unfortunately Kevin Holland got the Corona virus, and he will be fighting December 12th instead of this weekend against Jack Ray. So this weekend we're getting Jack Hermanson versus Marvin Vittori. So they just kind of swapped opponents. Uh, it is what it is. It's pretty cool. We'll. Uh, preview that, I'll kind of tell you guys what I think about that, who I think is going to win the fight, and give you some of the betting odds, so if you, if any of you gamblers out there want to uh, bet some money, you can see what I think about it, and then we also got some good bo- a good boxing fight this weekend with uh, the return of Errol Spence Jr., obviously last year Errol Spence Jr. got into a bad car crash with his Ferrari, almost dying, and... This is his comeback fight against Danny Garcia, who is a very, very good boxer and has only lost two fights in his career, so that'll be a good one. I I believe that'll be on PBC or Fox or whatever. And then we also got some announcements like the unfortunate loss of Hazma Chmaev against Leon Edwards due to, once again, coronavirus. Um... Yair Rodriguez getting suspended for six months because of whereabout issues. And then TJ Dillashaw came out with an interview with Breck Akimoto talking about when he wants to fight, and I'll just kind of discuss who I think he should fight. And, yeah, stuff like that. Just kind of giving my thoughts on the return of TJ Dillashaw and how big of a douche he is. Oh, okay, let's go. <laughs> uh, starting out, we're going to go with the UFC. One big fight. This past weekend, it was Anthony Smith versus Devin Clark. The original main event was Curtis Blades and Derek Lewis. Unfortunately, that is not happening. And for some reason, it's not happening this weekend or the next weekend uh, either. I'm a little confused because Curtis Blades got COVID. It's not like he tore his ACL or anything. And Kevin Holland got COVID, and he's fighting uh, next weekend, not this weekend. So I'm a little confused why... They're not fighting this weekend or next weekend, but I don't know. It could be some other problems or whatever the fuck, but I don't really know why that fight hasn't been rescheduled if it's just a uh, COVID problem, because I feel like Curtis Blades, uh, I feel like he's not having a severe case of COVID from what I've heard, but I don't know. A little strange. But uh, the main event was changed to Anthony Smithers' Devin Clark, which was a five-round fight. But Anthony Smith, being the dog that he is, having the chip on his shoulder, and having a great fight, showing this young blood that he's going to have to get a little better until he fights the big dogs. He triangle choked him in the first round. Uh, there was a bit of a flurry early on where Devin Clark seemed to might, might have some uh, advantages on the feet. But as soon as it got to the ground, uh, Anthony Smith's Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu prevailed, and he got him in a beautiful triangle choke, and as soon as that was cinched up with his legs, there was no getting out for uh, Devin Clark, especially when he turned the corner, so Devin Clark, I picked you because I didn't know if Anthony Smith was feeling his best, 
and it just seemed like a strange time to take a fight right after losing two in a row pretty dominantly but i was wrong to, i was uh, i was glad to be wrong because i'm a big fan of anthony smith so it's cool to see him kind of get back on that right path and he seemed in a good frame of mind so i'm excited for his next fight and he's spoken into existence so i don't really have to talk about who he should fight next paul craig he wants to fight paul craig I think that's a good matchup. Paul Craig just came off of a dominating win against Shogun. So, Paul Craig versus Anthony Smith. Sign me up. Alright, so, Tyson versus Jones Jr. We can talk about this a little bit. So, I kind of went into these this uh, event just as, like, uh, it is what it is. Like, I didn't, I wasn't like, oh my god, I get to finally see Mike Tyson fight and Roy Jones Jr., you know, like, the, like I obviously knew it wasn't going to be their best self, and I didn't really care about Jake Paul or Nate Robinson fighting, but I'm just like, you know what, it'll be fun, it'll be cool, and I will say that it was actually pretty entertaining, and I'm going to give some credit to Chiller because they actually ran a very good event, and the production was really good. Um, Snoop Dogg was commentating with Mara Ranello, Sugar Ray Leonard, and Israel Adesanya, but... <laughs> If, if you watch the event, you would only think that it's Snoop Dogg uh, commentating. He uh, commented the last two fights. And some people got mad because he, he didn't really know that. He doesn't know that much about fighting. So he was just kind of like talking over people and just like making a joke out of it. But I kind of liked it because it, it, it is a joke. It's not like a serious fight. I, I saw John Kavanaugh get mad at Snoop. But it's like, bro, it's not like Habib and Connor are fighting and he's commentating it like... This is Mike Tyson and Roy Jones when they're fucking in their mid-50s. It's not that big of a deal. So uh, I, caught, I thought the commentary team was perfect. Uh, I liked Israel. I thought he did a good job for his first time, and maybe he has a future in that. Obviously, Mario Ranello kept it all good. He's a professional. And I maybe heard three words from Sugary Leonard. <laughs> uh, I thought he went to fucking bed behind that desk. I didn't hear too much from him, but it is what it is. Um, yeah, it... I guess it was a draw, right? But I guess we all know that Mike Tyson won. And it doesn't really matter that much because it was an exhibition. And there was no knockouts or whatever. So it was just kind of like a whatever fight. You know, just to see him, t just to see both of them in the ring was the cool part. Uh, Mike Tyson just seemed to fight better. He actually seemed to have better cardio than Roy Jones, which I was surprised with. And he just hit Roy with some good body shots. And it was just kind of like a, what, eight. 8-0-7-1, Mike won. Uh, yeah. I don't know. It, w it was, what it was like, entertaining to watch. Um, Mike seemed pretty quick for his age. He seemed good. I mean, it for me to, like, actually analyze this as an actual fight would just be tough to do. But it was, it was fun to watch. It was fun to watch both of them in there, and then the post-fight interviews were funny. Roy Jones saying, what did he say? He's like, I wear draws, I don't do draws. <laughs> it was pretty funny, I don't know. Uh, people gave shit for Roy Jones for, like, hugging him, but once again, it's an exhibition, you know, you don't need to go crazy in there. I mean, it is what it is. But, uh, yeah, that was that fight. I thought I thought Mike won. If Vinny Pazienza was trying to score that fight non-biasedly, he should never be allowed to look at a scorecard ever in his life. Uh, he's, I think he scored seven rounds for Roy or whatever, and whenever whenever Tyson went around dominantly, Vinny Panzienza would have scored a 10-10. Like, 
Mike might, might have fucked his girl in the 90s or something. I don't know what's up with Vinny Pazienza, but he did not score that fight non-biasedly at all. They definitely gave him some cash under the table or something. I don't know, but I don't really care that it's a draw because it's not. it doesn't go in their professional uh, fight history, so it doesn't really matter. And they're just trying to make a rematch out of it. And now Mike says that he wants to fight again. Evander's calling him out. It's like, fuck, man. I kind of thought we were past this old guy fighting stage that... Uh, that was in Bellator and all these like lower tier MMA cards and boxing cards, but I don't know. I, I just I'm not a huge fan of these these old fighters. I feel like we're kind of past that. I'd rather watch these young guns. I'd rather watch the best in the world fight, you know. But it is what it is. Okay, so Jake Paul versus Nate Robinson. I didn't know Nate Robinson didn't spar at all. I didn't know that he. I, if you asked me that Nate Robinson even put on a pair of gloves in his life, I would have said no. He That was the worst, that was the weirdest fight I've ever seen in my life. Nate Robinson, he he like ran at Jake Paul like he was going to tackle him, like, like a linebacker or something. It was so strange to me. Like, no attempt at boxing or moving his head or anything. You there was There's no way that he sparred for a second. And I tried to watch Nate Robinson boxing footage, but all it was was him, like, hitting bags and, like, I don't even know if he hit the speed the speed fucking bag, but it was mostly just, like, glove work or uh, people just holding gloves for him. And, and I knew in my head, I'm like, okay, he looks awful. He looks bad. He just, it does not look natural for him to fight. But the thing is, I don't, I just dislike Jake Paul, so I think it was kind of a biased pick, and, like, I wasn't very serious about these picks. Obviously, I'm making excuses, whatever. I don't, I don't really care if I'm wrong on these picks. They're not the most important picks in the world. I mean, it's fucking Jake Paul and Nate Robinson. Who would who knows what would have happened in that fight, you know? But, uh, all it was was experience. Like, Jake Paul, uh, although I'm not a fan of him, he does seem like he's working hard to be a better boxer. And he... He's just better than Nate Robinson at boxing. I don't know. Like, and and here's the thing, we there's always this conversation with athletes and how they would do in combat sports. Some some people think like, if LeBron James didn't do basketball and he just like wrestled and boxed his life, and he got into the UFC, he would just dominate the UFC and nobody could touch him. But I, I think that's just I think that's a disservice to MMA fighters, to be honest with you. And, like, that whole thought of, like, oh, they're just better athletes, so they'll just beat any UFC fighter if they actually trained. And, like, that's not true, bro. Snoop Dogg, although he said some dumb shit that last weekend, he said one thing which was really cool. He said, you can play basketball. You can play football. You can play baseball. You can't play boxing or MMA. You can't. You can't play combat sports, bro. You can't just go in there and expect, like, to have your athletic capabilities win you the fight. Like, you still have to land the punch. You have to use feints. You have to set up takedowns. You have to defend takedowns. It's it's a very, very different sport than any other sport. And I just don't think – athletic ability, of course, it will get you far in the MMA, but I don't, I don't think that it's the most important uh, attribute by any means. I think technique and mindset is very, is much more important. I mean, LeBron James, 
I don't know if his mindset, like, he gets mad when someone touches him on the court. Fucking guys are, you think he's going to be cool if Francis Ngannou's throwing shots at him? Like, this, I don't think so, bro. And and here's the thing, a lot of these athletic guys, they're good for a round or two, right? Jose Aldo, Marlon Moraes are very athletic dudes. Like, so soccer player, Jose Aldo, professional soccer player. And, like, the, these athletic guys, they're good for, like, a round or two, but then they get fired, they blow their load. So I don't want to I don't want to just say like these athletes of course they're very athletic they're very good in their sport but there's a there's a big difference between shooting a ball in a hoop and trying to knock someone's teeth out and trying to like break someone's arm in a fucking kimura or, or an armbar you know there's a big difference between that and you cannot compare the two you got to put in your work just just in the same way that Habib could not go on a football field or a fucking or or a baseball field and uh, hit a home run. It's the same thing that Mike Trout could not get in the ring with uh, John Jones and do and and do anything. You know, it's the same thing. So you gotta respect both sports. Um, and I don't understand why we entertain it with fighting. Like, you you would never see John Jones uh suit up for the fucking Tennessee Titans and try to tackle Lamar Jackson. Yeah, or or even be in the fucking XFL and try to playing that or, or a Canadian football you know we, we already know what happened he doesn't know how to play football he knows how to fight but we we entertain it with these athletes because we think oh they're athletic they can just do this fighting thing you know it's no big deal and in a way I'm kind of I'm almost happy it happened because it tells these athletes like shit man you got to really practice this if you want it like you you really got to be about it because I think Nate Robinson is like oh he, I'm just super athletic I'll go in there and beat this YouTube kid and here's the thing, Jake Paul is not even a boxer, bro. Like he's been boxing for what two, three years. Like that ain't shit. But I don't know. I just I feel like you know. And, and here's the thing, Jake Paul. He would have done that to Clay Thompson. You know, he would have knocked the fuck out of Clay Thompson or Steph Curry if they haven't trained. So it's it's the same thing. So I feel like uh, fighters just need a little more respect. And I'm not a huge fan of these like celebrity crossover fights I, I don't really fuck with that unless you're like Greg Hardy and you put in the work because Greg Hardy's been putting in the fucking work and and another and he's a good example too his athletic ability got him to where he knocked out a couple guys but now he has to rely on his technique and you see him rely on his technique more because he's learning that you can't just go in there and bum rush and just be an athlete you know you can't do that you gotta have technical prowess alright there's that rant <laughs> Uh, yeah, but overall, I thought the event was set up really well. The performances were cool, the lighting was cool, entrances were nice. I thought it was a very well set up event for what it was, so respect to Triller. Okay, 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 now on to the fights this weekend. So... We got one big fight, Jack Hermanson versus Marvin Vittori. If you guys don't know Marvin Vittori, he's from Italy. Um, kind of a mainstay in that top 15 area. He was going to fight Jacare, uh, I think next weekend, right? Yeah, next weekend. And Kevin Holland was supposed to fight Jack Hermanson. And for some reason, Jack Hermanson was a favorite against Kevin Holland, but he's not a favorite against Marvin Vittori. And I think the betters are pretty off on this one to put Vittori as a favorite. I mean, Vittori's a good fighter, but, like, it's not like he's a dominating figure. Like, his record is 15-4-1. and four and one. 
he's not a good grappler, which is what Hermanson excels in, and he's Hermanson's also a big dude. So I don't know. I'm not saying that Vittori has no chance to win, but like here's the, here's what I kind of think about it. I feel like Hermanson, uh, he, he can't just trade with Vittori. It's a terrible idea for him to stand up and trade with him. Uh, he's gotta he's gotta get inside and make it a gra a gra like a grappling uh, contest or at least a clinch some clinch warfare on the cage. He has to try to get like try to take down Vittori, try to get him out to the cage, pressure Vittori because if it's if he's just standing at a distance, I feel like. Hermanson is not the best striker, and he has a lot of holes in his striking. So if you're gonna give Vittori any chance to win, it would be standing with him. So he definitely has an advantage on the ground, and I feel like Hermanson has good enough takedowns where he can get Vittori to the ground. And Hermanson has really sneaky chokes and very good top control. So I feel like Vittori not being that good of a grappler, I think Hermanson should be able to kind of chill for a little bit and then go for that takedown and maybe cinch up a nice guillotine on Vittori but for Vittori what he, what he needs to do is similar to Jared Cannonier. first round Hermanson is probably gonna go for some submissions or, or go for some takedowns first first and second round if if you defend the takedowns good enough Hermanson's gonna get tired and he's going to get annoyed that he can't take you down, so he's not going to keep going for it. Same thing as the Jared Cannonier fight. Jared Cannonier did a fantastic job of uh, defending Hermanson's takedowns. And eventually in the second round, Hermanson tried to stand with him, and he got an uppercut to the chin. And the fight was over. So the same thing could happen to Hermanson against Vittori. Vittori could definitely do the same thing, because we know he has knockout power. And we know he's, uh, he's better on the feet than Hermanson is. But if I had to think about it, I feel like Vittori's takedown defense, from what I see it, it's not, it's not better than Jared Cannonier's, because Jared Cannonier has fantastic takedown defense. So I think Hermanson is a very slept-on fighter. Uh, he's only really lost to Jared Cannonier recently, and he beat Kelvin Gastelum. He beat David Branch. He beat Jacare. Like this guy is legit. He's a good fighter. And he also beat Jacare in a, in, in a predominantly striking match, because Jacare is a better grappler than him. And he has a good cardio, so I just I feel like if I were a betting man, I would put a good amount of money on Jack Hermanson t to win as an underdog. I feel like he could make some good money off of this fight. Because don't get me wrong, Vittori's good, and some people are picking him. Some people that I respect are picking him. But... I just feel like when you think about the grappling and the size of Hermanson and his skill level, it's just going to be tough for Vittoria to handle it, in my opinion. I, I haven't seen anything from Vittoria that'll tell me that he's just going to go in there, defend takedowns, and piece up Jack Hermanson. So I'll definitely take Jack Hermanson. And I do think that Kevin Holland might have been a problem for Jack Hermanson because he's so unorthodox and he's very strong. But I don't think that. Vittori should be a problem for Hermanson. So I'm going to go with the second round submission. Okay. Um, oh, we got a boxing fight this weekend. I want to talk about this very quickly. Uh, Errol Spence Jr., he was in a car crash like a year ago, I think. And it was a pretty bad one, but what's weird is the, the way... 
the way that his car was flipping, you would think that he should be dead. And God must have saved this man because they said that the only reason that he is alive is because he didn't wear a seatbelt. So I think he was he was partying one night and he drove his Ferrari with no seatbelt. He was a little drunk. And he like hit a ridge or like a median or something. And his car kept flipping and he flipped and he got ejected out of his vehicle. And then the car kept flipping and flipping and flipping. So if he got if he stayed in, in his seatbelt, he would have just kept flipping with the car and likely would have died or been paralyzed or something very, very bad. But fortunately, he only had some like like problems with his face, like lacerations and like some stitches, I think. I don't even know, but best case scenario for him. And that would have been the a, such a fucking tragedy if that man died. So God has a special plan for Errol Spence Jr. He's my favorite boxer, personally. I love Errol Spence. Uh, I need him to fight Terrence Crawford, though, because I feel like he's just dominating these kids. He's dominated Mikey Garcia, Danny... Danny Garcia, he beat Sean Porter, uh, Kel Brook, like, him and Terrence Crawford need to fight, but I'm not going to short sell Danny Garcia, because he is a good fighter, and he's a former champ, he's only lost to Sean Porter and Keith Thurman, but, you know, here's the thing, I just feel like Errol Spence Jr. is stronger, more athletic, and a better boxer than Danny Garcia, maybe... I haven't seen too much of Danny Garcia, but I feel like he's a tough enough guy to hang in there. But unless that car crash had some very bad physical or more so mental issues for Errol Spence, I think that he should probably dominate this fight. If he's the same guy he was, if the car crash didn't fuck him up mentally, this should be an easy one for Errol Spence. So I'm taking Errol Spence... By decision, probably like 9 to uh, 3 rounds or like 10 to 2. Maybe he can get him out in the 11th, 10th, 11th round. But I would more so say just a decision victory. And please fight Terrence Crawford, bro. Like, this is the one thing I love about MMA way more than boxing. You get to see these big fights, man. If, if Habib and Conor were in boxing, we would have never seen this fight. We, we would have seen it 5 years from now if we're lucky. You know, these... Errol Spence and Terrence Crawford probably should have fought last year. I mean, maybe this year with no fans wouldn't it be as cool. But wouldn't it be sick as soon as coronavirus is over to have the first fight in Dallas Stadium, have it all opened up, 80,000 people there or whatever, watching Errol Spence and Terrence Crawford? Like, fuck, man, that would be so sick. You got, uh, I think Terrence is from Omaha, Nebraska, so that's close to Dallas. Errol Spence is from, I think, uh, the Texas area, Dallas area, whatever. Like that would be, that would be the number one boxing fight in the world over any heavyweight fight, any anything with Canelo. I don't care. Those are the two, two of the best boxers in the world. The, uh, Terence Crawford is like, for me, it goes like top five is like Terence Crawford in no particular order. Terence Crawford, Canelo, Errol. Oh fuck. Um. So hard. Alexander Usyk is very good. Uh, Tyson Fury's up there. I feel like I'm missing somebody. And Loki Triple G, just because I think that he beat Canelo both times, but whatever. So yeah, those are kind of my top five fighters. But you get two guys in their prime that haven't been. Errol Spence and Terence Crawford haven't been close to losing. 
So that fight would be such a cool fight. You get Errol Spence, who's a bigger guy, more athletic, against Terence Crawford, who can fight from both orthodox and southpaw, and is a better boxer than Errol Spence, most likely. So I'm not overlooking Danny Garcia, but I feel like if he wins this fight, which he probably will, the next fight has to be Terence Crawford. Fuck a Manny Pacquiao fight, whatever. Fight Terence Crawford, please. Okay, and now to some current events. Oh, I was so sad and yesterday. Hazma Chimaev and Leon Edwards cancelled. God damn it. Leon Edwards caught the COVID. And apparently it's a severe case. He lost twelve pounds. Even though he's cutting weight, but okay. Um I don't know, I just it's just so depressing. Like fuck, man, this is such a cool fight on a cool card, and of this card, this card is still gonna be good. But I just feel like it, by far, Chamayev and Edwards is, was such an an exciting fight to me to watch. But if if Leon is chilling by January, I think I wouldn't I wouldn't mind this fight being on the Calvin Cater Max Holloway card or the. McGregor and, and uh, Dustin Poirier card, but uh, I just I just hope we can get Chimaev in there, man. And can Leon Leon come on, buddy, please. I don't know what you're doing, bro, but like, I'm not gonna blame him for getting COVID. You know, it, it happened to a lot of fighters recently. But you gotta you gotta show up, bro. Fuck, like please, the fans need to see this fight, bro. Please. Uh, res- re- reschedule this for January 16th or 23rd, and we're chilling. Okay. So this is a really big news story that just got announced. Yair Rodriguez is suspended for six months because of a whereabout issue. And this is a typically a year-long suspension. So I'll kind of explain this. So for the USADA testing pool, it's very, very tedious. You have to tell them where you are, where you're going, at like pretty much all times. They have to... Whenever they call you, you have to pick up. Uh, you just have to tell them where you all, where you are at at all times, what you're doing, shit like that. They're, they're basically just creeping on you 24/7. They test you constantly. So the reason Yair got suspended here is because when Usada asked him where he is, uh, or like what he's doing or whatever the fuck, he didn't, he didn't answer. Or he didn't give them like a notice of what he's doing and where he's going, so they they couldn't contact him and find him and test him, because the whole point of Usada is random testing, so they there's a better chance of them catching you doing, uh, out of contest uh, illegal substances. So they suspended him for six months, for this issue, which is actually not that bad. But the problem is Yair hasn't fought in like a fucking year, so this is not good for his stock. But luckily, everybody thought that this could be a drug issue, which could get him out for possibly two years. So luckily, he didn't test for anything positive. He was just annoyed with USADA, probably didn't tell them where that he, where he was going and where he was. So this is a pretty easy fix. Six months suspension, not that not that big of a deal. It is what it is. It just kind of sucks for him because he hasn't been so active. Okay. Last thing is TJ Dillashaw coming back his suspension is lifted in january like mid-january and he had a 30-minute interview with brett akamoto that i watched last night 
and he said that he wants to fight in March, and he wants to fight for the belt when he comes back. Alright, so... Uh, Jan and Sterling are definitely the next fight. They're probably going to fight in January, February, probably February. So that's not going to happen, and that shouldn't happen. I don't know why TJ believes that he deserves a championship shot after he's been caught cheating for the past couple of fights. I mean, come on now. I don't understand. I just... I'm not a huge fan of TJ Dillashaw, to be honest. He And he sounded like a douche last night, because you know what he said that would really piss me off? This man said that Henry Cejudo is mentally weak because he retired because Henry Cejudo knows that he's not better than him and he got lucky winning all of his past fights pretty much pretty much is what he said he or, or he he beat guys that weren't that good and he got lucky he got a lucky stint and he knew that he wouldn't get that uh, he wouldn't get many more wins so he just left how the fuck are you going to call Henry Cejudo an Olympic gold medalist a two world champion mentally weak when you're the guy using fucking roids, bro. Like, how are you... How Look at the arrogance and the hypocrisy in that statement, bro. Come on, TJ. You're pet, you're, you're, not, you're not better than that, actually. Fuck. I always knew this guy was a snake, bro. Just, I don't know. He's just so arrogant. He's never admitted to any of his losses. He hasn't admitted to the Henry loss. He still thinks he'd be Cruz. Like, this man cannot accept a loss to save his fucking life. And, and he thought he was cool, like he's going to go down and wait and beat Henry Cejudo up. The man took the man has been taking EPOs, which is uh, uh, which is crazy, bro. EPOs, that's great for recovery. So he could recover way better, so he could train harder. Uh, he's always talking about his training partner, Sam, Sam, Sam Calavito or whatever, that he's like this uh, genius or whatever, but, how, how is he a genius if he's letting you take EPOs, bro, like, you, you, you told everybody that Sam Calavito knows what, everything that's going inside your body, but how did he let, know that EPOs were going inside your body, I don't know, uh, I'm not a huge fan of TJ, to be honest, I will be rooting against him, <laughs> but he is a good fighter, uh, EPOs or no EPOs, he is a good fighter, uh, I feel like he's not going to come back that good because uh, when you take these roids, it's I feel like it's mental weakness, especially a drug like that and getting away with it for so long. But he's definitely a former champ, so he's going to come back and fight a, a big-name opponent. So I'm, I'm probably thinking he's going to fight Corey Sanhagen for a number one contender spot in like March or April. And then if he wins that, he'll fight for the belts. But once again, I mean... Uh, TJ, <coughs> as always, very hypocritical guy, fake as fuck. Uh, you know me, guys. I love MMA fighters. 99% uh, of fighters, I, I fucking love them. I always, I only have good things to say about most fighters, but there's a couple guys that I just, they, they grind my gears. They don't, they rub me the wrong way, and I don't think they're good. Uh, not, I'm not gonna say they're not good fighters, but I just don't think that they. Uh, they say the wrong things at, at sometimes, you know, like a, like a Connor or a TJ, but I guess who am I to judge, you know? I've never been in a cage, I've never fought, but I wouldn't call somebody mentally weak if I'm the one that took roids and tried to beat him, you know? So, I don't know, I, I don't like sore losers, I think TJ's a sore loser, never been a fan of him, but he's a good fighter, he's exciting for the division, 
so yeah, give him Corey Sanhagen. Let, let him. Let's see if he's really about it. Let's see if he's really back. And yeah, I'm excited to see him. All right. And with that note, with that TJ rant, now you guys all know I hate TJ Dillashaw. And that is all I have for this week. Thank you guys for tuning in. Enjoy the fights this weekend. And peace.